some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. www.squatchcoffee.com Sasquatch Coffee, have you tried it yet? With me always is my good friend and Bigfoot re- researcher extraordinaire, Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson. How are you, Shane? I'm, I'm doing well, Gunner. Doing well. <laughs> just uh, just got back in the door literally here in uh, Oregon after being up in the Olympics with uh, Derek Randall's and the gang with the OP. So, uh, I'm glad to be here and looking forward to speaking with our guests this evening. Yeah, we had a little bit of uh, inclement weather here this weekend, but uh, it's clearing off nicely now, and it's, we're, I guess we're in for a good weather week here in Oregon. So um, how is the weather up north? Yeah, it was uh, hit and miss. You know, it's uh, typical typical uh, you know Olympic weather, uh, spotty rain, um, overcast. But we, had a, we had, did have one day of really – uh, nice weather, and we did some uh, amazing hiking, uh, did some planning and stuff. So it was just a, a good time with uh, some of the members from the OP, and and uh, uh, had a blast. Yeah, had a blast. Didn't want to leave. <laughs> right, it's always hard to come back from the Olympics. Um, it is. What? What? Uh, anything interesting? Should ask. Yeah, you know, not really. Uh, it was overall pretty quiet. You know, this was more of a planning trip, um, organized organizing trip uh talked from some ideas around you know we did do some hiking and some trail cam stuff and um uh a few oddities but nothing nothing really to comment about so uh you know just uh following up on uh, some of our uh, plans and ideas and uh, future endeavors and uh hope to get you back up there soon as well very cool so with the, our guest today is Mr. Ron Bowles Ron has been a long time um, researcher with associated with uh, BFRO for 
anyone who doesn't know what those initials stand for, that is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization founded quite a while ago now by Mr. Matthew Moneymaker of Finding Bigfoot fame. Um, and uh, I know Ron has been an investigator for quite a long time now with the uh, with, uh, he's he's probably getting up there in a seniority in a, the organization. So let's go ahead and bring Ron on. And hey, Ron, how are you, buddy? Good evening, gents. How are you doing? I am well. And yourself? Oh, can't complain. I was sort of envying your uh, weather up there in uh, Oregon. Here <laughs> it's been hot and muggy and. And uh, I, just not good squatching weather. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> well, Ron, for those of uh, listeners that aren't familiar with you, can you give us a little bit of background about Ron Bulls? Well, uh, basically, I, you know, I, you know, I was I was a child of the '70s and '80s. So, of course, you know, I. Uh, Growing up, I saw all the, you know, in, in search of shows on TV, and of course, I saw Six Million Dollar Man versus Bigfoot, and and uh, you know, and got and uh, uh, Bigfoot and Wild Boy on Saturday morning, and and all that good stuff. I mean, you know, it was always a uh, passing fascination of mine. I was never, you know, um, I was I was never. Uh, I never took it serious, if you will, and uh, <clears throat> it wasn't until uh, uh, the late 1980s when I was out with a bunch of friends, that's when I had my first experience. Um, if you got to see the episode of Fighting Bigfoot, Squatching in the Ozarks, um, uh, I detailed my my first experience on the show where I was out with some friends and, and we were stone cold sober and, uh, we were walking our way, uh, working our way back to the, uh, on a trail back to the vehicle and, uh, something that paid us a visit. And, uh, uh, first we smelt it and then we saw it and then we ran. Well, uh, it took almost, uh, it would took over 10 years for me to actually come forward publicly about it. And I, I you know, my, fa- um, my interest uh, became a fascination and I was, you know, looking through the internet and I found a uh, website that what, that wasn't cheesy and had, uh, you know, uh, s- stupid, you know, woo music and all that good stuff. And it was the net. And uh, I submitted my report with it. They published it. And then about a year later, I saw that they were holding an expedition in Arkansas. And uh, and that's when uh, I went on my first expedition. And that's when I first met Matt Moneymaker. And, uh, and I had my uh, uh, second experience. And that was a uh, – and I actually recorded a uh, audio of what I believe to be a Squatch. And um, – and various other, you know, experiences on that. And uh, then later, uh, 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 Matt asked me if I wanted to become an investigator. Evidently, he, he, you know, he liked the way I, you know, approached things in a very, you know, in a very uh, uh, skeptical matter. And um, 
and uh, I became an investigator, and that was back in uh, October of 2007. And uh, since then, I have been on multiple expeditions. I've been on uh, both private and public expeditions. I've organized multiple uh, expeditions, both private and public, and I've investigated investigated numerous uh, uh, reports, you know, either in person or via phone. And uh, then, uh, and as of late, I've 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 been uh, one of the uh, administrators on the BFRO uh, official Facebook page, which currently has over seventeen thousand members on it. So you, and that's mean, pretty much up to speed. It, <laughs> you've been uh, involved with the BFRO for quite quite some time. But you had your you said your yeah. initial encounter was in the eighties and you found the BF when did you first find the BFRO? Oh Lordy, that wasn't until nineteen ninety. I mean uh the uh ninety ninety eight, ninety nine, I believe it yeah, nineteen ninety nine. So there were and you said it was a couple of years before you even shared your encounter with anybody when you when when you did, which I mean it's I, as you, as, as you I know, it's pretty common I, for folks, you know, that have had an encounter. I mean, they don't know who to who to tell, and they don't want. So when you did, who did you share your encounter with? I privately, you know, um, shared my encounter with a few people that, you know, I, you know, felt comfortable enough to do so. But to stand up on the on the uh, on the soapbox and tell everybody what happened to me. Hell no, that I you know come out and do that because for the simple fact that <laughs> you know who wants who wants to look the you know who wants to be look at uh, to be seen as the uh, town fool you know uh, or the village right. idiot and uh, and uh, and to this day as an investigator being on the other side of that coin, I mean I still run across that you know people have experiences and and it's like trying to pull teeth out of a live alligator. I mean, it, it, they just rather take, you know, their experience to the grave than to lose face. Well, and that, that, I mean, like you said, that's a pretty common um, experience for for folks that that have a an encounter. They they don't know who who to talk to. I mean, you got to be in a little bit of shock anyway because you just, you know, went from. Uh, a lot of people don't even have any context, or your context is a Saturday morning, you know, show and and the six million dollar man, like uh, a lot of us. And, and uh, when they have that encounter, it comes all of a sudden here's this thing that you thought was wasn't real and is real. So yeah, you your your experience is not uncommon, as you know, among uh, oh yeah. With, so but, so uh, tell but, us a little know, bit more about. Your initial your initial encounter. What what were you doing, and 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 what happened? Well, uh, back back in the late eighties, back when I was twenty, stupid. I don't know if you guys ever been twenty <laughs> stupid, but you know, a long time ago, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, back when I was twenty, stupid, we uh, uh, there was about oh, there was about six or seven of us that. Uh, and uh, I believe we just got through playing ball or something like that. It was in, and it was in uh, mid to late June, and not far away from this time of year. And uh, and uh, uh, we heard tell that there was a uh, a kegger, 
I'm sure you're uh, so, uh, familiar with the term kegger. I am uh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we heard tell that there was a kegger at this place that sort of uh, <laughs> removed away from, uh, you know, uh, the the uh, uh, any developed area or was it is it's developed now, but there was a uh, uh, it was called it was called the old resort and basically. What the old resort was was an old uh, uh, camp, um, uh, worn down hunting lodge that has long been uh, 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 has has long been uh, deserted and let go. And I mean, there was you know there was just skeleton remains of, of certain uh, uh, buildings and stuff like that. And there was a uh, uh, a in-ground swimming pool. Well, that in-ground swimming pool was the perfect place for a little bonfire, and you got the kegger over there to the side, and it was, and it was, you know, a good two miles away from any road. You know, you follow this path or the, what used to be a driveway uh, to where the where the buildings were, and you know, shoot fire. You were going to have some good times, you know. And we heard tell that there was a kegger that night. Well, but now. This was before the day of cell phone, you know, or texting or, or what have you. And uh, it was pretty much you show up, and if no one's there, then uh, that's pretty much your clue that, you know, it wasn't happening. Well, we showed up, and no one was there. So we went ahead and went over to where the, uh, where the old buildings were and stuff to see if there was any remnants of someone that may have been there before because it was either two options, A, they couldn't get people to pony up for the for the uh, keg, or B, it got busted by the by the uh, sheriff's department again. And uh, but we we showed up there, we looked around, we couldn't see that there was any sign of anybody being there. So, you know, we pretty much figured that, you know, they didn't uh, they didn't come up with the money for the keg. So it was it was going on about oh uh, eight eight thirty. And uh, so we decided before it gets too dark uh, to head back to to the uh, uh, vehicle, and uh, and we were walking along, and and uh, now this trail is about our driveway or whatever is about you know it's about two feet elevated from the ground, and uh, and as we were walking back, there was two guys in front of us. And I was with, uh, and they were good, you know, 20 feet in front of us. And uh, then I was with the group uh, that made us three, and there was uh, a guy named Mike, uh, me, and uh, and a guy named Gene, and then a couple of guys behind us. Now, Gene was about six foot five. I'm about six foot three, but Gene's about six foot five, six foot six. And as we were walking along, the smell, and I'm talking this funk, just enveloped us i mean it fell on us like a green fog and i mean it was and uh gene looked at me and he goes man what is that smell and i said i don't know but it's about to make me sick and the best way that i can describe it is it was almost i mean it made you wish it was a skunk i mean it was bad i mean the grossest way i can make of it without being offensive it, 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 it smelled like fermented vomit that's how bad it was and uh and we and and we uh, uh, we were walking along, then St- uh, then Gene just stopped. I mean, dead in his tracks. 
And he was looking to his right. Now, looking to his right, he was looking towards the western hemisphere. You know, and I'm talking, this is right at dusk. I'm talking, you know, the sun's already set, but you can still see a bit of daylight in the uh, over the horizon. But, you know, everything's pretty much dark. But it's not dark, dark. You know what I'm saying? And not more than, oh, 15, 20 feet away from us, behind a tree that was um, uh, was about a foot in, in a, uh, it was about a foot thick was this large hairy creature that was swaying or uh, back and forth at, back back and forth back and forth you know behind this tree so I looked up ahead to see if those guys in front of us were messing around no they were there I looked in the back of us to see if the, if the couple of guys were uh, behind us was accounted for. No, they were there too. You know, they were good 20 feet away from us. And uh, so I looked back at this thing swaying back and forth. Now, the reason why I brought up about that trail being about, you know, two feet um, off the uh, regular forest floor is and, and about Jeep being about, you know, six foot six, well, this thing was every bit, I mean, um, it it was the same height as Gene, and Gene was two feet elevated off the ground. And uh, Gene just looked at this, and he just goes, I, I can't handle this. And he took off running. Well, being that he was the biggest one out of us, I, I followed suit real damn quick. And uh, we didn't stop until... Uh, we didn't stop until we re- we came back to to the vehicle we were in. We were in one of those old Volkswagen uh, minivans or, or little vans, you know. And uh, the rest of the guys caught up with us. And, uh, I mean, Gene was running so hard. He was wearing cleats. And when he jumped over that gate and hit that asphalt, it started sparking. That's how fast he was going. And uh, when we got there and we caught our breath, um, we uh, – we told them. Uh, we told them what we saw. Well, even then, I tried to be, you know, rational about this. I said, okay, maybe what we smelt was, you know, someone got sick and, you know, and regurgitated in a bush somewhere nearby, and maybe, just maybe, there was a cedar tree behind that tree swaying in the breeze. Even though I did not recall, said I mean any breeze uh, going on. So me and the, the and another guy went back to that spot. Now I knew exactly where the spot was because there was a fallen tree across that trail. And so me and the guy now the guy that went back with me he was also the uh, owner of the vehicle so he took his keys with him, and he did that on purpose. And uh, so we went back there to that spot. There was no smell and there was no cedar tree behind that that uh, that tree. It was gone. Whatever was behind the tree was gone. The smell was gone, and that was my first experience. Well, Ron, wh- why why would a Sasquatch, uh, in, having looked back, I'm sure you've done it many times and gone back to that area. Why would a Sasquatch been in that area? What would it have been doing? I mean, what uh, you know was it, you in your well, this, in your this, yeah. This area was very close to uh, James River. I mean, and what I mean by close is that if you. Uh, if you ran less than a football field one way, you're going to be in that river. And that James River is a a very long river that, I mean, it, it uh, goes through about seven counties. 
before it empties out into uh, uh, it empties out into uh, uh, Bull Shoals, I believe, which is the lake. So uh, uh, you know, it, uh, and I come to find out that, uh, and I didn't find this out until a lot of people came forward at the talk at the uh, at the town hall meeting for finding Bigfoot mm-hmm. that that same year and practically that same summer and these were people that I'd never met had experiences during that summertime the same uh, same uh, uh, same period of that of uh, time that I had mine and wow. it was and guess what it was somewhere near James River or uh, Wilson Creek which uh, feeds into uh, uh, James River you know, um, one of the questions in our chat room, it's a good question, uh, is, you know, why, why, why do you, in your opinion, do you think this creature, this Sasquatch, why would it expose himself? Why would it show himself to you guys? Well, here, um, uh, there was a couple of veins that, you know, I said, what, you know, because some people, they smell the smell and some people don't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I asked a, um, a, a person that, you know, studies uh, uh, primates. I think they call it an anthropologist. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I asked them. Uh, and I, actually, it was her. And I asked her, "What is? Why is it that you know uh, I smelt the smell and some other people didn't? This um, smell is not that uncommon amongst primates, especially apes." And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying a Bigfoot is an ape, but it is a primate. I'm, you know, I'm dead solid on that. But um, especially among apes, uh, especially in the ma- in in the males, anytime they feel agitated or or, tres- or trespass or threatened, they will emit a certain pheromone to let you know uh, 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 that you know you're not welcomed in their vicinity. And the swinging back and forth is also very common um, uh, behavior uh, amongst primates w- uh, when they feel agitated or, or uh, you know, threatened or trespassed upon. So my question is: Were we? Uh, was it so much that this uh, that that um, this squatch made itself available for us to see because they wanted he wanted us to see? Or he or she wanted us to see it, or was it that it did it wanted us to see it because we did because it didn't want us to see another I mean a, a juvenile or a female or something on, on the other side you know was it was drawn it, it, attention to itself so uh, to distract us from you know uh, it, its family if you will. Now this is all hypothetical, of course, but you know we got to figure out, you know. But uh, to me, this was the most logical explanation. Yeah, you know, it's it's a very logical um, possibility explanation. You know, a lot of the reports, and I know you know this, but a lot of the reports reflect it kind of what you're sharing here uh, as a possibility, whether it's another um, possible Sasquatch area, juvenile or such. Or, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of the reports come in, it's also um, where people think they've broken up some sort of hunting party or where they've been hunting or, or coming across a kill or something. And, and that's when the Sasquatch seems to show itself. Uh, it's, a, it's a very, um, it's probable, definitely. Uh, what, 
Ron, what with your friends? I mean, there. I mean, have you? Um, do you still keep in contact with them? And what? I mean, what were their overall impression? Uh, you know, of the whole scenario. Uh, what was their? You know, what was going on there? Well, um, I haven't seen Gene in almost in almost thirty years, but um, but even you know shortly after that episode. If if we brought it up, he would clam up. I mean, and I know he saw it just as good as I did. Now he would talk privately with me about it, but if he but if the subject came up amongst you know more than one or two people, especially around people that weren't there at the time, he wouldn't say a thing. Uh, yeah. Now I've run into a couple of people that were there. And, uh, and yeah, they said, well, and they didn't so much see it, but they did, you know, they did smell the smell and they did see where the two biggest guys out of the bunch, I mean, you know, you know, here I am six foot, I was six foot three and Gene was six, six foot six. And, and, uh, we, you know, we were, we were big old boys. I mean, you know, we looked like a, the, the defensive line for Kansas city chiefs, you know? And uh, for us to turn pale white and, and run like hell out of the woods, well, you know, that was sort of uh, uh, unnerving, if you will. Absolutely. So, you know, they, uh, you know, but, I can imagine. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Ron, so, now now that you've gone back and, and you, you know, the monster, or sorry, the, uh, the finding, um, finding Bigfoot, to show that you partook in, in the town hall and you had other others uh, come forward you know with similar stories in the same area and everything else have you collaborated with any of them and what did you I, take away from some of those um, reports from the town hall because you know as I know a lot of the uh, a lot of the people that show up to these town halls well it's a, it's a TV show so uh, you know uh, the town halls are awesome I've been involved in them but not every not every report gets to be on TV. It's just too many people. There's too many reports. Uh, was, were there anybody else that you uh, spoke with and and got reports from that, that you got to work with? Yeah, there, yeah, there was a couple of people that us up there, and and we you know we discussed and uh, and uh, I followed up on and uh, and there were some people that showed up there that was already people that I I am. Other uh, investigators in in the uh, in Missouri has uh, already been report uh, are already existing reports on BFRO as uh, already. So there was a lot of people that were there were already uh, were uh, coming forward publicly with uh, reports that were already published on BFRO. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah. Those but part, the, part of the, the TV count- show is is they put out the call for. For folks that are, you know, have uh, other BFRO members to get people to come, so I mean that's that's part of the process. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah. do reach out to they do reach out to the uh, local BFRO investigators to you know give a helping hand. And now right. I, you know uh, I don't know about other investigators, but the people that I know and I know myself. I told uh, I made it strictly clear, and the producers have been very respectful on this. That they are uh, that um, the investigator that did the initial research should be the first one reaching out to these witnesses and making sure that it's okay to t- 
to uh, talk to these producers. I mean, right. uh, yeah, these producers don't just call, you know, random numbers with, and say, hi, you know. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> uh, the invest the investigators, uh, they, they contact their witnesses and, and if they are interested in it, we'll, we'll give the uh, producers the, the uh, green light and, uh, and then the producers will call. But all, I mean, you know, uh, with, uh, we're very uh, protective and very respectful with our witnesses, uh, with the BFRO and, and, uh, and fighting Bigfoot has been, uh, has, has been, uh, uh, I mean, if they want our help, they've been very respectful uh, with our wishes on that issue. Right, and of course, the Mister Moneymaker is is one of the the cast members. So it's uh, the BFRO still is, though he's not as as active in the BFRO as he used to be. I mean, I don't is he still going on public expeditions? I've been on a couple with him. Well, I mean, I've been on a few with him myself. Uh, Man, I tell you what, that uh, you know, I, I've helped out in a couple of the episodes, uh, the one here in Missouri and, the, and another one that they filmed down in Arkansas. And I tell you what, uh, I don't see, I don't see how they do it. I don't see how the cast members do it. I don't see how the the crew that uh, that you know that does all the help and stuff. I don't see how they do it. I mean, in uh, the uh, well, I mean, I was more involved in the Missouri in the Missouri show, mm-hmm. and uh, and just in the uh, uh, four to five days that I was assisting with them on that, I was I was exhausted. I mean, I was yeah, there's a lot of work exhausted. to it. Oh yeah, yeah. and and how, uh, much, how much work goes into making one episode, an hour's worth of TV? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And a lot of people have the misconception that, you know, well, of course they ain't going to see anything with 30 people in the in the woods. No, that's not true. I mean, there's only – you only got the uh, people – you got the four people, and you have uh, one television crew, I mean, uh, one camera guy and, uh, and one sound guy with each uh, set of people that goes out there. Well, uh, And then you have the uh, producer and director. Well, shoot fire. That's not, you know that's not more. That's less than a dozen people. I've been out in the woods with more people than that, and still had uh, um, you know activity. So right. uh, yeah, a lot of people think, well, there's forty or fifty people. No, there isn't. No, there really isn't. <laughs> so Ron, so you you've now been an investigator with the BFRO for what was that? Two thousand and seven was when you started. When you actually Correct. became an investigator, yeah. So you've yes. probably interviewed uh, quite a few witnesses by now, I, I suspect. Yes. So, so tell us. I mean, what is the best piece of evidence that you've you've run across in in your investigations of of other folks' encounters? Are you talking about their eyewitness account, or are you talking about physical evidence? Um, either, either. Well, as far as uh, physical evidence, I've you know I've grown across. Uh, I've uh, I've seen a uh, I've only seen one compelling bit, uh, audio not audio but one compelling uh, 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 camera video? shot. Gotcha. Uh, not video. It was it was it was a, a still it was shot. A game. It was a game. A still shot. Gotcha. Um, 
I've, I've, I've come across hair, you know, people's come across hair. I mean, uh, I've had, you know, more than I've had about 20 people come up with me with hair and I've only found one that was halfway interesting. Um, uh, you know, some footprints and stuff like that. I mean, me, myself, going out there and doing a field investigations, I've I've found uh, uh, prints and and uh, various stuff like that, too. Uh, but uh, now, as far as the most compelling uh, uh, eyewitness accounts, uh, well, one, let's establish something. I am more apt to uh, to believe a unwilling witness than an enthusiastic witness. I hear what you're saying, yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, well, having been, been there yourself, you kind of have that context of what you would expect somebody to, to how they would, correct. you would expect somebody to approach a, a yeah. Uh, there's been a few. Uh, uh, there was a woman that, came, uh, that had an experience that has haunted her for uh, years and uh, she came forward with it and I mean this happened when she was 12 years old and she's in her 60s now and uh, she came over with a very close you know walking from her friend's house back to her house on an old dirt road and one steps out of the bush in front of her uh, and she drew me a picture of it you know um, and uh, she was and she was very uh uh, she, you know, she was very interesting to talk to. Um, another uh, interesting account was uh, uh, I did a, a video uh, uh, interview with a, uh, a, a a Cherokee, and this was in the uh, northeast Oklahoma, and uh, and a, a Cherokee older for a, a, a area there. And how he uh, was sitting on his front porch, uh, and he saw a, a deer uh, uh, run across this field, and and right after it was a big old squatch. And then they went and they got out of vision, and then he heard uh, the deer, you know, uh, do its bleat, you know, bleh bleh, and then you heard a boom, and that was it. And uh, and how his description and, and stuff and. And uh, I actually videotaped that and posted that on the uh, on the uh, site. Um, uh, another one was where a uh, where these three old boys were uh, uh, coming back on a uh, late night fishing trip about one o'clock and and just on the edge of this little town. And uh, and what I mean by a little town, they didn't have a real name. The name is uh, the name of the town is Southwest Missouri. I mean that's the name of the town, Southwest Missouri, and uh, and uh, anyway, uh, and as they were crossing this bridge, they they saw something big dumped uh, in this trash barrel, you know, picking out uh, McDonald's uh, 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 bags and stuff like that. They thought it was a, happy meal? a big old dog. <laughs> yeah, watch a <laughs> meal. And uh, and uh, and they uh, picked that out. Uh, and they they came on it, and they thought it was at first it was just a big old dog or maybe a bear, and uh, and uh, as the headlights just hit it, it got out of the trash and and started on all fours uh, loping away. Well, they wanted to see, get a better close, so they started following it, 
and uh, and it w- and went across this driveway to a tire uh, this you know beat up old tire shop, and they pulled in right behind it. I mean, what I mean, right behind it. I mean, we're talking only six feet away from their from the front of their truck. And at that point, uh, from being all four, it stood up. And uh, he said, and uh, all three uh, witnesses accounted that it was every, it was everything between seven and eight feet tall, and it, and without turning its neck, it just sort of twisted its whole upper torso to look back at them. Well, at that point, they knew right there and then that it was no bear or dog that they were looking at, and the and the vein, and they just looked back at them, and then it just had a very fast pace, kept on walking back. Um, uh, back towards uh, the uh, creek, and then uh, and uh, I guess they figured uh, it went across the creek and back up in the woods. So and uh, and uh, I mean uh, me and uh, another investigator named uh, Larry Newman, uh, who is a uh, retired uh, police officer uh, and a, police, a forensic police detective. We I mean. We went down there and we talked to those uh, to those guys individually. Uh, we went. We even found footprints along the creek bed that uh, that measured out somewhere around 16 inches long and eight inches wide. And uh, and I mean we we grilled them on 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 issues. I mean we grilled them on uh, uh, you know uh, this. I mean we tried to trip them up every which way. Now the one thing, and and they were, uh, and Larry was sort of puzzled. You know, why would something like that be by itself, uh, so close to a, to a little town like that? I said, I don't know, maybe a rogue, or uh, you know, a, a a rogue male, or something like that. Until one of the witnesses, uh, uh, we asked him, I said, so was the hair all you know stringy and mat matty? And he goes, no, uh, and that's something. I'm glad you asked that because. Uh, Sort of something that struck me peculiar about that is I noticed how how uh, free I mean it was like it was like hair that 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 someone uh, was clean and and it was it like someone uh, combed it you know like it was it was like human hair all, all except it was all down his back and the back of his hair I mean the back of his head and stuff like that but it was it was you know it was clean and it was. And it wasn't all matted and dirty. And I, I went over to uh, Larry, and I said, "Well, there goes my, there goes my rogue theory." And he goes, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, if his hair was all clean and not matted, and especially on its back, I said that means it was groomed." Mm. That's a good point. Because, you know, I don't care how long his arms are, you're you're not going to be able to pick tangles and and what have you out of the back out of your back. And and uh, you know and and uh, so that means that this this uh, this certain squatch uh, was probably part of a family pod. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's a really great point. You know, uh, <clears throat> how many reports have you taken in personally or, or have heard of where uh, you're talking about the, the rogue theory, this like the rogue male theory? Uh, I mean, have you taken in any reports where? The, this this individual looked matted to all get out. Uh, didn't look groomed. I did one, uh, and this one was in Arkansas. Uh, uh, this uh, this old boy told me that, um, and the features were a little bit odd for a squatch because he felt like it was an older it was an older uh, uh, individual. Uh, the hair was not 
free flowing and 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 uh, plus it was it was it was a bit gangly. I mean, usually when we think of, of squatches or when we hear about it, we're you know we're we're thinking of a uh, uh, you know eight foot linebacker you know with uh, with uh, with broad with a barrel chest and and uh, broad shoulders. But the one that he described to us, it was it was tall. It was almost you know it was around seven foot. But it had very gray hair, and the and the hair was uh, wasn't very matted. I mean, it wasn't very well kept. I mean, you know, it was still it was still looked like you know uh, uh, human hair, except you know around the arm. It was on the arms and the and the and the chest and shoulders and stuff. But it wasn't you know it wasn't well groomed. And plus, it, it was as he as he described it, he, uh, the squatch was sort of gangly. I mean, you know, it was tall, but it. It wasn't broad. It was sort of skinny in a way, you know. And yeah. uh, and and uh, and that and <laughs> him and his friend. I mean, this they they actually went camping to celebrate their fifteenth uh, birthday, and out there in the middle of the woods. And uh, and uh, when they saw that thing come around the tree, and 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 it looking at them, and them looking at at it. Uh, they, you know, they took off and went home, and and uh, that poor guy, he said he hasn't been in the woods uh, since that day, and he and he was 35 at the time that I interviewed him. Matter of fact, he he said I actually went out of my way to get away from people, I mean to get away from an area that had woods in it. So he lives in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada now. Yeah, a different, a whole different sort of jungle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, but to what this about- day, he will. To this day, he swears he will never go back in the woods. And I, I've heard that time and time again. But what about uh, Ron? What about you know we so many reports out there talk. We always talk about these these giant uh, sasquatches or big figures. You know, uh, you know, six foot plus, seven foot plus. What about the juvenile reports? H- have you taken in a lot of juvenile reports or, or infantile infant? Reports for uh, something a lot smaller than what your average person declares they see. Well, actually, um, in a way, I sort of uh, threw reports, and this is around uh, Reynolds and Iron County in Missouri. I actually uh, threw the reports. Actually, watched a a a, 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 a squatch, and it was a white squatch grow up. Because um, you know, with the years that it went by and the different, and you know, assuming that it was the same squatch, I watched this thing from uh, being uh, from different reports from different people that wouldn't know each other from Adam or Eve, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 you know, saying that first that uh, they saw this little uh, this little squatch, not more than three or four feet tall, to uh, uh, then over a, a, a course of a of about three or four years, then they saw one that was about four, uh, about uh, somewhere between four to five uh, feet tall, and then uh, and then uh, it was about two, like about a year and a half. I hear another one about a white squatch in that area that was somewhere between six and seven. So actually, I watched this thing through the reports grow up, huh. and now it was white. Is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh. I've actually never heard of anything like that, but that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, the uh, taking in um, 
especially over the last uh, few years, uh, uh, several reports, and I've heard of several reports of juveniles or at least smaller individuals. Uh, the one thing I've never taken in uh, as an investigator uh, is is Sasquatch or even smaller Sasquatch juveniles or whatever you want to call them in trees. Have you taken any reports of um, Sasquatch being in a tree, whether it's a large one or a small one? No, myself, I have not. Now, there was an individual that was in on the uh, Finding Bigfoot show that was not too far away from um, uh, um, um, Marshville, um, Marshville, and he said that he saw a juvenile jump out of a tree. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, but that was the only one that I've heard around in this area. Gotcha. Yeah. Now I will say this though, when I do when I do go out in the woods, and we have our thermals going, I tell the people that whoever's holding the thermal and the and the DVR thermal and stuff, I will tell them that every once in a while scan up in the trees just for the fun of it, just you know, just to cover our tracks. Well, absolutely. You know, uh, I think that's <laughs> I think that's a smart thing to do. Uh, everybody's always seems that most people, um, investigators, researchers, always look at a certain height. They don't look down. They don't look up. And I think you're missing a big part of the picture there, possibly, and doing an injustice if you're not at least uh, looking in all directions and up or down. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you just can't. You, you just can't. Uh, you can't go by this with blinders on. I mean, you got to. You you have to be open to all possibilities. And now when I say all possibilities, I mean within reason. Uh, I'm sorry, but and I don't mean to offend anybody, but I do not subscribe to the, uh, to the theory of, uh, of uh, uh, stealth or uh, in, uh, these lanes going into stealth mode. I do not subscribe to the theory of, of uh, portals, and I do not subscribe to the uh, theory of uh, – of mind speak, I'm 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 just not part of that woo factor. Gotcha, gotcha. What do you mean specifically? I'm not a part of the the. Uh, well, yeah, you're I don't you're get among friends. <laughs> yeah, you're among <laughs> friends. But but stealth. What does stealth mean to you? Because to a lot of people, it could mean something different. What does the stealth aspect mean to you? Well, to me, stealth is you know the ability to uh, use the environment with you and just blend in. I mean uh, that. Can, I mean that can be done just by a common deer. I mean, uh, uh, I had a friend that uh, who went to call that used to go to Montana and Colorado to go deer hunt, uh, or elk hunting, and he said he he watched a bull elk just bend its uh, uh, you know tilt its head up because you know it had a full rack and go in a brush and and just disappear in that brush without even so much as making a sound. Now that's stealth to me, but to other people, stealth means you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, flicking on the uh, uh, the ability to become invisible right before you, you know, cloaking. Uh, that that cloaking. I, I yeah, cloaking. Thank you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you I, mean like um, Star Trek. Yeah, I, I don't believe. I just, I'm sorry, but I don't believe Sasquatches or are uh, uh, Klingons. I, I just, I, I don't. <laughs> they may experience Klingons. 
Sorry, that's fancy. Yes, <laughs> yes. For, forgive me of my neurosightness. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just such an easy reach when, when you can't uh, describe or you can't explain something. Uh, for me, it's uh, an easy reach to go that way, and that's unfortunate because I think uh, you could just look at known animals and known nature and, and go, exactly. wow, like you just described this elk. Uh, there's so many animals out there. I mean, uh, cougar and bear and stuff that uh, are, are more than capable of being stealthy in the woods because that's where they live and that's how they survive. It's not rocket science. And you know what? Mankind's been doing that for, since since the beginning of time. Anything that they could not understand had to be supernatural. Why did the sun rise out of the east and, and, and set on the west? Well, that's because the god Apollo wrote, uh, rode its, its, uh, his fiery chariot across the sky. Why did, uh, you know, why, did, why does fire uh, uh, become an existence? Well, that was a gift from Prometheus, you know. And, you know, it, 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 you know anything that we can't explain uh, or that we don't understand, well, that must be a, there, well, there must be a supernatural reason. You know, you're following a line of, uh, of uh, squatch tracks in the snow, and all of a sudden it just, you know, the, the, the trail goes cold. Well, that, that's because they have the ability to, to go into a portal or levitate. <laughs> I can't do, <laughs> I'm right. sorry. I can't, I can't do that. I mean, I have to think of things, I mean, in a, in a scientific manner. I mean, unless it's, unless it's an ability that it can be done by uh, that is known by other uh, animals, mammals, primates, then I I can't adhere to um, other uh, 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 so-called abilities. Now, there is one thing that a lot of people uh, feel like it it fringes on the woo factor, and that and that's the subject of infrasound. Now, infrasound is found amongst the uh, that is is scientifically recognized amongst the animal kingdom. It is a known factor, and do I believe that the uh, do I believe that the uh, uh, that squatches have the ability to utilize such such uh, such a tool? Yes, I do. Um, and uh, and a lot of people call it zapping. A lot of people have the misconception that zapping is they send electrical waves to a person. No, it, it's infrasound. It's the ability to uh, send a certain frequency that messes with your neural system of your body, and and um, and 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 uh, causes. I mean, you have your whole body is one big old electrical circuit board. And the main hub of this electrical and it's called your nervous system, and uh, and your main hub for this electrical system is your is your right and left uh, side of your brain, and your le- right and your left brain are sending electrical uh, currents and signals back to and forth e- uh, to each other at amazing speed that I mean that uh, probably couldn't even be um, measured. There is a certain frequency that causes a short circuit, if you will, in this, in, in, in a, uh, in a, uh, a body, whether it be human primate or any other kind of animal, it sends a, it sends it and causes a electrical short. 
And and this has been scientifically proven that that frequency has all this uh, has the same uh, effects as uh, Bell's palsy, as as epilepsy, or um, our various other um, uh, uh, physical um, uh, 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 physical uh, effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. um, uh, y'all remember Abbott and Costello, uh, Costello right? Yeah, but, I do. Yeah. Well. Yeah, a lot of people don't uh, don't realize that Bud Abbott, the the one that played the uh, the straight man, if you will, of the duo, he was ep- he was epileptic, and he was quoted one time in, when Lou asked him what what does it feel when he has a seizure, and he goes, "Imagine being hit by lightning three times over and over." Well, that is the same effect that this zapping has. It is it, this frequency causes a short circuit in the person's neural system, and and it feels like um, and it feels like your body is you know being uh, just being charged. I mean, like you stepped on a uh, on a hot wire. And uh, and the thing is, now has it been proven that primates are, have that ability? It's been proven that whales have that ability, tigers have that ability, and other yep. mammals have that. Uh, has it been elephants? Has it been proven that uh, that uh, that primates have that ability? No, not yet. But I uh, I did the research, and there is a current research in uh, Rwanda, I believe, where a a, a, a uh, I can't quote their names, uh, but I do. Uh, but their husband and wife team that is uh, working through the Diane Fossey Institute, and they are uh, and they are. Uh, Actually, exploring the uh, uh, the possibility of uh, of, uh, of uh, mountain gorillas using infrasound. Now, if that proves to be uh, if that proves to be true, then this this argument on whether or not squatches have that ability is moot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cool thing about this is is uh, I, I'm I'm open to the possibility of infrasound for sure because it is proven. It is known that animals, certain animals can do this. But I'm also excited because uh, I think the whole infrasound thing, as far as research, you know, Sasquatch aside, just the research of infrasound and what animals are capable of doing that is in its infancy. And we'll we'll probably discover down the road here that it's very possible that certain primates, non-human primates, are capable of doing this, and, and as well as other animals. But yes. um, I will also say this. Uh, um, I think... A lot of times, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but in my opinion, uh, what people associate with infrasound or what they assume is infrasound, um, uh, this paralysis, uh, this, uh, this, this shock, this zap, or whatever you want to call it, it can be attributed to, attributed to fear, extreme fear, especially fear that you've never experienced before in a certain situation. I really believe that uh, um, that can be... Uh, that can be uh, associated uh, as just fear and not infrasound. Uh, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's and and just you know, with Bigfoot sightings ago, uh, a lot, uh, in, in, you know, with the, with experience with anything with Bigfoot, uh, a lot of misconceptions or misidentifications can take place. But then mm-hmm. you have the real deals, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and the, and the reason why I bring that up because 
I was sort of on the I was on the fence on this issue of on infrasound. I really was until it happened to me in in uh, Tennessee. In, uh, Tennessee. Okay. And wow. uh, and that was not a fear factor. That was mm-hmm. me. That uh, that was me walking along, joking and have uh, and uh, and having conversation with uh, I, I don't know if you ever heard of her uh, heard of her, but uh, Ronnie Powell and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, Larry was right there with me and stuff. We did stop over this creek. I and I gave out a good couple of howls. And then as we're coming along, uh, um, uh, you know, we were joking and, ta- and talking about this, that, and the other. And uh, then all of a sudden, I come, I sort of stop, and I'm like, you know, I get a feeling that, of, I, I get this feeling that uh, my my uh, my defensive me- mechanism uh, sort of kicked in, you know, like uh, something really did not like me uh, being there. And I said, and I sort of stopped and sort of listened to see if I could, you know, hear you. They move around, couldn't hear you. They, and then I started walking along, and all of a sudden, bam! It hit me. I mean, it. I mean, my whole body just shot. And I had a walking stick, and if it wasn't for that walking stick that I was holding for dear life, I would have been, I would have been uh, face first in, first in the ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, I and and. Uh, and I called out to Ronnie, and Ronnie come up to me, and and as, and uh, and I'm just, I mean, I could, uh, and I was just holding on to that stick for dear life, and and mm-hmm. and my breathing became erratic, and she said that she put her hand on my, on my back, you know, sort of in a comforting way, and my muscles were twitching involuntarily. I mean, I was actually having muscles uh, spasm. Wow. And fortunately, we had a, a doctor that was part of that group. She called out, and he, he was way ahead of us. So, um, so it took him a few minutes to get to us, and he was taking my vitals and my and my pulse. And he said it was erratic, and, and you know, my my pulse was erratic and all that good stuff. And uh, and um, we were headed, and finally, after a bit, and it took about thirty forty minutes for me to shake it off, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, and uh, it it kind of pissed me off in a way, and but uh, uh, I finally got up and I went and and uh, and strange thing about it is they were planning on going to another spot or something like that. When we got up to the truck, I looked at Larry who who was driving at the time and I said, "Larry, take me back to the camp. I'm done." Now people that know me, they know that I'll be out until the cows come home. Yeah, but I said, but uh, but Larry's. Uh, I told Larry that night. I said, take me back to the camp. I'm done for the night. And uh, I mean, and I, and uh, it actually had after effects too. I mean, it actually affected the um, uh, because uh, my uh, my uh, urine was a little bit orange, um, and I'm you know that's sort of odd. And why did I bring that up? But uh, but it actually affected me physically in a little bit too. Now here's the here's the here's the uh, real kicker of it all on this story. I recorded the whole experience. I, I and I forgot all about it. I had a mic uh, uh, strapped to my hat, and I recorded the whole experience. But what got me is right before you hear me go uh, and going down the ground. Uh, right before you 
uh, right before you uh, hear that, uh, you will hear a very low that I did not hear. But you'll hear it on the recording, and you'll hear a very low frequency go, like that. And then you'll hear me go, uh, like, you know, a little wimp. And uh, and down I go, and uh, and uh, and so that's uh, so you know that sort of gives it a little bit of, I mean people you know and I, and I appreciate skeptics I do I mean yeah. I really do skeptics are always welcome hecklers are not but skeptics are always welcome, but I know what happened to me and people say mm-hmm. oh man I wish it happened to me I'm like no you don't right <laughs> I wouldn't exactly. wish I, <laughs> I wouldn't wish yeah. that on I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy or his dog. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's not an experience you want. I re, I'm telling you right now, you really really don't want it. So, yeah. Ron, um, prior to, play, to prior to you yeah. that experience, what was your position on on uh infrasound or uh, what I think because at the time we were, it wasn't even people weren't saying infrasound, they were saying zapping. I mean, I remember that yeah. coming up in the BF when it first came up. I remember riding around with Matt Moneymaker and him talking about, you know, this is something Sam? that's happening, but we're not we're not talking about it. So, Are you, he brought up about Pam, didn't he? Um, boy, it, the I younger, don't recall. Yeah, I mean, it was, and, uh, it was the the, uh, the, uh, the incident that happened in Hanabee, uh, Oklahoma. It could have been. I I don't recall that that detail, but I just remember him. Yeah. I, I know there were some things popping up in Washington and stuff, but yeah, at the time. So, but prior to well, your own experience, what I mean, what was your had you you'd heard about it before? That you know, yeah, I mean, well, I brought, yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, Pam, uh, Pam, and uh, the, the the gal that had it happen to her in uh, in Oklahoma, uh, we we had long discussions, and and I was, and like I said, I was uh, very. Uh, I was very, uh, um, I was on the fence on it. I thought, may, I thought possibly that it may have had something to do with um, with uh, squatches being able to emit a certain pheromone, because certain pheromones, uh, you know, right. being released well, can affect, affect you physically. Yeah, can, it right. can affect you physically. I mean, mm-hmm. and and it, you don't always have to smell it. I mean, shoot fire, Nat- uh, natural gas can kill you. And the only reason why we can smell natural gas is because they actually put a, a uh, they actually uh, because they actually uh, introduce a artificial smell in there, so we can smell it. But right. natural gas is actually odorless, so and it can kill you. Well, it only stands it only stands uh, uh, possible that there are certain. Uh, 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 Pheromones that can be emitted that you don't necessarily have to smell, but can still affect you um, physically. I mean, if you smell a lemon, what I mean, if you smell a lemon, what automatically happens to most people? You start to sal- yeah, yeah, salivating, and yeah, yeah. That's how powerful, and that was my argument. That's how powerful um, a smell to our physical um, reaction. But the thing is, there are also certain frequencies that have just the same amount uh, uh, that's just as powerful 
uh, to our physical reactions and our physical functions as certain smells do. Uh, for example, now most kids nowadays wouldn't know what I'm talking about, but um, you remember the movie Jaws, right? And they were having their little—they uh, were having their little silly council about uh, what they were going to do about the shark. And then old Quincy, the shark hunter, came in there, and to draw his attention, he raked his hands down that chalkboard. Okay, and it caused physical pain to the people that was in that in that uh, that meeting, and. Quite frankly, I gotta admit that you know, and people used to do that in class and stuff. They used to rake their their fingernails across that chalkboard, and man, it just you know, it just sing you up the wall, or or someone raking a fork across a plate, just ugh, you know, just drive just drive you nuts. That is, but it was a physical reaction just to a sound. Why? Because that certain frequency had affected your nervous system. I mean, it would, uh, some of those sounds actually cause an involuntary response, almost a painful response. And But just like certain smells, not all frequencies have to be heard by the naked ear. And another thing, right. because it does, because this frequency, of course, is absorbed by your uh, uh, by your, uh, your your ear and your ear canal and all that good stuff. When you have an ear infection, or when something, or when something's wrong with your ear, how does that affect you physically? It causes uh, equilibrium problems and dizziness, right? Right. And, and was that isn't that experience in those? Yeah. Did you experience like yeah like dizziness when you were in your uh, encounter? Yeah, that's the reason yeah. why I, went, I started going. I mean, and the, and, gotcha. and I'm sure you've heard. I've heard, I'm sure you also, and, and also nausea, too. When your equilibrium is affected, it causes nausea, right? Right. Well, how many times, I mean, I don't know how many uh, reports you've had or, or listened to other people about their quote-unquote zapping experience, but didn't you hear about them being come dizzy, nauseous, and, uh, and out of whack? Mm. Yeah. On a few occasions, yeah, definitely, uh those reports come in, and, and one's got to wonder, um, we can look at known nat- nature, known animals that, that are capable of doing this, why do they do it? In your opinion, why would Sasquatch utilize this? Why would they be capable of it, Ron? Uh, Ron. For hunting, uh, for either hunting or defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and territorial purposes, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, and why did they go after me? Because I was the biggest, loudest son of a buck in that in, in that woods, and I was in and I was on their turf. <laughs> right. I was yep. doing the house. I was the biggest guy, and and uh, and they wanted to show their appreciation for me being in their backyard. <clears throat> and man, did they! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Emperor Sound thing is—it's truly intriguing. It really is, and, and it's a—it's um, a possibility for sure. I can't rule it out. You know, uh, one of the things that lacks, like so many other attri- things that we possibly attribute to Sasquatch, is actually seeing a Sasquatch and having that experience, or seeing a Sasquatch do these things. You know, what we attribute sometimes rock throwing. Um, yeah. There's 
very, very few reports where people actually see a Sasquatch throw a rock, though they may see a Sasquatch and then have a rock thrown at them or similar experiences of that nature. Um, and that's that's kind of the, 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 the killing of this is that, well, first we have proven Sasquatch, right, but also the fact that no one's actually <clears throat> recorded or not too many reports of of both happening at the same time where they've seen a Sasquatch and then, bam, they were hit. I mean, real credible reports. Uh, there are some out there that I find less viable. But, uh, yes. yeah, um, definitely definitely a possibility. Uh, you know, speaking of rock throwing, uh, have you had anything, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts thoughts on, on Sasquatch? You know, pri- uh, non-human primates, you know, uh, throw rocks. They do stuff like this. Uh, have you had any experiences where stuff's been thrown at you? Um, whether it's sticks, rocks, pine cones? Um, three times. The first time was at the Arkansas expedition, uh, the the very first expedition that I was on. Um, and uh, and, I, and I, uh, we were actually uh, sitting right across the uh, – I mean, I was sitting across the uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, fire in this – in this area, uh, I was sitting across the uh, uh, the uh, campfire across from Matt, and uh, Matt was talking to an- another individual. Uh, this was on private property, and we set up an old game cam. When I mean old game cam, I'm talking about the old flash ones. I mean, you know, back in 2007, we're talking, you know, generation one game cams. And uh, and as Matt was talking, I over uh, to to the right of me about you know. Uh, a bit away, I saw. I said, "Hey, Matt, I just saw uh, like an electrical flashing going on." And he goes, "Oh, cool! Something set off that game cam." And uh, and mind you, this was back in 2007, so you know, uh, uh, the, you know, game cams came long uh, has come a long way since then. And not sooner, and I'm talking less than a minute, a rock came crashing down from the general direction where that flashing came from and came uh, crashing down through the trees and I'm talking and uh, sort of rolled to a stop and that thing couldn't have been more than uh, 20 feet away from where we were sitting and it was about the size of a football. Uh, the second time that happened was uh, in at a Colorado expedition uh, that Dennis Bowl was um, – or, uh, organized, and uh, we had a group. But we were on on the side of a mountain. There was two. There was uh, two trails, and you know we're talking like you know three hundred yards. Uh, the two trails were three hundred yards. One was upper, and one was lower. And there was a lot of uh, there were certain open fields, but there was a lot of uh, uh, woods in between the two trails. Well, one group was on the upper trail, and the other group was on down on the lo- lower trail. And, uh, and I was with that lower group and, uh, and, and I heard something, you know, coming down through the skunk cabbage and stuff and rolled to a stop at us from, and, and I, uh, and I got a hold of the person that was holding the uh, game cam and, or not the game cam, but the thermal and, uh, told him to look in the general direction, uh, direction where that, that, uh, rock came from. And sure enough, there was something um, it was on all fours, but it was something big in the brush, and it was, it was sort of, uh, you know, on all fours. Now, uh, one would think it was a bear, except I've never known a bear throw anything at people. Um, uh, but uh, as far as that goes, not uh, 
anything else, you know, except for a primate being able to throw something. Uh, but the thing is, we kept an eye on that on this on this thing that was in, uh, that's thermal, and it, it sort of you know ducked and checked us out and, and stuff like that. But it, and then it it, uh, it recessed back into the woods. But here's the thing: most animals, whether it be deer or bear or or what have you, instead of um, when they go when they turn around and go back in the woods. They well when they go back into the woods they turn around, you know they go forward and swing around and and, and go head first back into the woods right. Mm-hmm. No, this thing backed up it back into the woods. I mean it actually you know uh, put it in reverse and and went backwards back into the woods. Mm-hmm. And that and you know that struck me odd on that. Uh, there was another time down in Texas where we I, I don't think it was a walk. I think it was like a, a tree stick or something that was, um, uh, thrown at us, but I couldn't really tell on that one. I mean, it was enough to make us jump. That's for sure. Yeah. The, uh, a question that came in through chat, uh, that I've, I've taken, uh, I've been asked before is, um, and, and this goes to you personally, Ron, uh, it, and maybe you have had this, uh, and probably, but what would you do if you came upon a, a, a set of tracks, uh, impressions uh, that just ended, that you associate with Sasquatch possibly, that just ended? They just seemed to stop in the middle of nowhere, and you were looking, you know, um, real quick. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll comment on this in a minute, but I'll get your opinion. But, I mean, have you ever come across tracks uh, that just seemed to have ended? You know, I mean... Uh, it's real hard for one. It's hard to find any tracks in in mm-hmm. in the Ozarks. Uh, for the simple fact of it is, and uh, well, I'll give you a, a short little story to illustrate this. Matt uh, Matt Moneymaker asked me one time, uh, "What do they What do they mostly grow in the Ozarks?" And I said, "Rocks." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very uh, it's a very uh, hard. Uh, soil, rocky terrain, you know, in the woods. So to find any tracks, I mean, I, it, it, I mean, I can find deer tracks, but to follow deer tracks would be a totally different story. Um, because the terrain is so hard and uneven, it, it'd be very hard to tr- uh, do it. Uh, have I ever followed a set of tracks that seemed to disappear? Well, yeah, but that was usually because the terrain changed from uh, being reasonably soft ground to not so soft ground. Right. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, last year uh, I was in northern Washington and um, um, was out with a group, and I had arrived prior to – someone actually had a uh, – two people actually had a sighting uh, early morning, uh, and uh, I, I had arrived, I think, the following day or sorry, two days later, and they had recorded stuff and tossed in the camp, and they had the sighting. So I, uh, a buddy and I went out, and we're about a quarter mile away, and we came across this really awesome uh, one-foot impression. I mean, it, you see the toes, the heel, arch. It was, it was amazing, one of the best I've ever seen in fine dust. Uh, guess what? There was just one there. But the thing was, yeah. the thing was, uh, after really spending time out there and looking for other impressions, 
we found more, but they were so subtle, you know. And the one thing that um, my good friend and cohort, Derek Randalls, always says is if you find one and you know what you're looking for, you will find a trackway or, or a um, where your subject has gone off. It just may not be what you expect, but you will find uh, other, um, you know, impressions or where this thing went off. And that's true. We, we did, but it, but it was just that one fine one where it stepped into this uh, old logging road and it was real fine dust and it had stepped there. But there was, I could see where this thing went, uh, but it, I couldn't find any really discernible great impressions. It didn't disappear. It just went off trail. And like you exactly. said, yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, the train after that was ridiculous. You know, I mean, it was it rocks and, 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 you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was impossible to, uh, really find, uh, you know, I mean, and, and that's the thing too is there are not that many uh, tracking experts out there. Uh, you know, I mean, there's certain hunters and, and individuals that can follow. I know, a few, I know a few of them, and I know I know you probably do as well, where they can track anything. You know. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, when people say they just end and stop, I just it doesn't it, when they when I see that it doesn't amaze me. It's because well yeah you first of all you probably don't know what you're looking for, and two, uh, it's it's the terrain you're involved in. You know I mean even I know uh, people report snow stuff and all that, but I've never come across anything that's not explainable. Yeah, I mean I'm sorry, but there's too many things that can be explained. I mean I've always lived on the premises of the old Sherlock Holmes saying. Until all things uh, probable has been explained away, only then can we look at the improbable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally Absolutely. agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> the um, now, Ron, switch gears a little bit. You know, one of your areas, uh, you're like the Ozark guy, correct? You're the Ozark guy. Why, why, why do you key in on the Ozarks and what's going on there? in the past and now, and why would Sasquatch be in the Ozarks? You know, it's a, a fantastic, amazing area. I don't think people appreciate it, but uh, it's amazing. But why why are the Ozarks Sasquatch, uh, uh, you know, why would Sasquatch be out there? Why wouldn't it be? I mean, I guarantee you that, I, I mean, uh, Missouri has just, I mean, and specifically the Ozarks has, I mean, uh, it probably is right up there with with as much uh riverway woods um uh hilly terrain uh, uh food source water source than uh, than you know than your oregon and and washington and all that good stuff um, here's here's the thing uh you know as you as you know uh uh, yes, in Mark Twain National Forest and Arkansas, yes, all that good stuff. Um, uh, here's the thing, you know, as you will know, the all practically every tribe of the uh, of Native Americans, these things uh, are intertwined in their history, in their folklore. Well, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but not all the Native Americans are centered up in, in Oregon and in North Washington. Am, <laughs> I, am I not mistaken? Uh, uh, so that means that, the, that these primates have been spread out through the whole North American continent. 
Now, was there a period of time when they probably became a little bit more scarce in uh, in certain areas? Absolutely. I have uh, I've actually developed a whole hypothesis and, and a presentation on how uh, North America today is more eco-friendly for squatches than it has been in almost 200 years. And that, and people are saying, well, that's a mighty bold statement. And I'm like, not really. Think about it. Um, uh, back in the 1800s, and we're talking pre-Civil War, people uh, people went out into the woods and they and they and they created their parcel of land, which could be and 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 a, a, a farmland back then. I mean, if you were if you had less than 200 to 500 acres, that was considered a gentleman's farm. Okay. So what did they meet once they settled on a piece of land in order to grow their crops and raise their livestock? What did they what did they start to do? They started to clear cut clear cut the land, correct? Yeah. What did they what 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 did they use for a source of um, of uh, shelter? Well, that would be the woods. What source did they use for uh, furniture and what have you? That would be the woods too. What source did they use? What did they use as a source of, of uh, fuel and uh, to uh, cook to keep their house warm? Well, that would be woods too. Where did they get this woods from? The surrounding area on their own land. More people, more and more people settled in certain areas: Pennsylvania, the Ozarks, uh, Indiana, Kentucky, what have you. More and more areas became more clear cut. I mean, there was a period of time. Due to, I mean, uh, uh, in in the Ozark uh, uh, history, that we had what they call bob knobs, okay, and that was basically hillsides uh, that was clear cut, and it just had, uh, you know, you, you you were you saw a hill with no trees. I mean, and uh, the reason why the Dust Bowl happened in Oklahoma is because the over harvesting of trees and therefore causing the erosion. Of of, uh, uh, of the land and the, and thus happened the great dust the, the great dust bowl of Oklahoma and also during that time there was no uh, there was no regulation or uh, on uh, on the on the uh, control of uh, the uh, the purity of the water the industrial revolution happened therefore there was a lot of industrialization without consideration to the uh, in the environment. And not mentioning, and also to uh, the uh, over harvesting of of, uh, uh, of the natural wildlife. I mean, when I was growing up, seeing a deer was something special. Seeing a turkey was on, a wild turkey was almost unheard of. Seeing a bear was, you know, a, a vein of legend. I, I mean, you know, uh, seeing a bear uh, back when I was growing up. And I mean, I was growing up during the '60s and '70s, and uh, and in uh, the '80s, and uh, hearing of a bear. I mean, you, you you know, it was like hearing about Bigfoot. You know, it was almost unheard of. And uh, but now, um, due to uh, uh, you know the uh, regulation of of, of forest uh, forestry and and the regulation of, of the water purity and the regulation of national wildlife and game, uh, there is actually more forested area in North America than there has been in almost 200 years. 
Mm. I mean, look at your maps. Look at your national forest and stuff like that in your, in your terrain. And then look yeah. at the map about, uh, 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 starting uh, the um, uh, starting of the turn of the century of the nineteen uh, the, the hundreds. I can show you a picture of a farmland in uh, that was uh, that was took a picture. I mean, a big open uh, picture of a farmland back in eighteen sixty uh, uh, no eighteen seventy nine. And you know it was there was no trees. You saw you saw the farm. You know you saw the house and the and the farm, but you know there was no trees. It was just all, all open land. And mm-hmm. I can show you the same spot where the picture was taken in 2007, and you can't even see that. You can't even see that farm because it's all covered in in tree growth now. Wow. <laughs> and now and now you can't swing a dead cat without without seeing a deer. I mean, yeah. I don't know how it is up there in, in uh, where you guys are at, but I mean, you know, it, it's almost uh, the area is almost sick with deer and turkey. I see a deer and a turkey going to work every day. <laughs> right, and, uh, and, and I don't think a lot of people. That's a that's a fantastic point, Ron. It really is. I don't think people realize that, and that's a phenomenal thing to bring up and talk about because, yeah, yeah, it's the same up here. It's extraordinary how much wildlife and uh, forested areas we have. In fact, forest areas that uh, nobody stepped foot in, um, that, that to me is amazing stuff. Uh, but with, with all of your research, Ron, uh, in, you know, being involved with BFRO, uh, your own personal research, have you, have you uh, developed any plausible, possible patterns that you, you, you think are viable to Sasquatch? I mean, have you uh, kind of gotten a feeling, you know, I'm like, you know, it's all hypothetical, of course it is. But have you got any patterns or anything you developed um, over the years of, you know, taking in eyewitness reports, your own research, and and whatnot that you'd like to share? Um, I don't believe, and and of course, you know, one, okay, folks, uh, Bigfoot are not deer. These are individuals with individual personalities. I mean, when you see a deer, you pretty much can guarantee that that deer is going to act like the next deer you see, right? They're not sheep. They are individuals with individual personalities and in, in, in individual traits. But there are certain times of year when they are more active than they, uh, especially in my area. I mean, and but it it could be totally different, especially like up in the mountains of Colorado or stuff like that. Um, but in my area, I believe that they're more active um, early spring and and early fall, or all, all the way into late fall. For the simple fact, I, during the summer, I don't go out. I hardly ever go out in the woods. It is absolute one. It's miserable. It's muggy. It's hot and muggy. Um, I mean, you know, we're talking even at night. You're talking like eighty something degrees with with a humidity factor of 70, uh, 70 to eighty percent. And with the, all the white noise of the bugs and the and the cheap and the and the peepers and 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 all that good stuff, hell, you you wouldn't be able to hear an elephant come through the. Uh, the, the woods, much less the Bigfoot or anything else, as far as that goes. So the white noises, and quite frankly, I and those and seed ticks don't even get me started on that. But, <laughs> uh, 
the uh, but you know, and the, and quite frankly, I don't think they they get that active during the summer. Do they frequent in areas where it is, uh, you know, uh, close to a water area? Yes, um, but really, I mean, during the summer, they just sort of sit back. They find an area that's that's abundant in in edible uh, veggies and go to town. I mean, they, you know, during the hot summer times, being covered in hair. You're not going to be. You're not going to want to exert a whole lot of energy. You just want to find a nice, cool place and sit back and and chill and and and, and munch out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then once fall starts coming, it starts kicking in, and the veg and the weather starts cooling off, and the vegetation becomes more scarce. That's when they start foraging. That's when they start. Uh, they start getting out and and start looking for that for the fat and the protein because of the up, because they know colder weather, uh, weather is on its way. So that's when they start foraging. That's when I believe that they're more active. And you know, and and also that's when the deer uh, the the deer are in its rutting season. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, <clears throat> so. They start, uh, uh, so they start forging. There, they start going hunting, they're, and and they're a little bit more, uh, they're a little bit more vocal then too, I believe. And then, uh, uh, and then winter, you know, they they're still out there. I mean, but they 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 tried, especially during the real cold uh, seasons, they they tried to. Um, uh, I mean, they still you know go out and, and replenish their food supply. But they are. Uh, but I honestly believe that just like uh, uh, various other predators, known predators, that they try to uh, not exert as much in- energy. They try to store as much energy that they can without, you know, uh, without exerting themselves you know, to a certain point. Now, early spring and the old time, the old settlers used to call spring starving spring. Yeah, everything's pretty and it's turning green and the flowers are out, but there ain't a whole hell lot of stuff that can be ate by then. And whatever uh, whatever reserves that they had over the winter, well, that's almost you know that's almost been exhausted. I believe I believe that they start going to areas um, uh, they they start heading to areas where uh, waterfowl and uh, where the uh, fish are running and, and areas like that where there is a uh, um, where there is a uh, um, uh, ability to, you know, find something to eat and yet still be, you know, uh, uh, you know, no wide, in the wide open, but uh, ability to to eat and and replenish their their food supply. You know, where the waterfowl is and 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 uh, and where and where the uh, where the fish are running. You know, whether it be trout or 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 spawning, you know, whether it be bass or catfish or what have you, where, where the fish are spawning too. So odds are they're probably, you know, their areas, you know, lakes and, and uh, stuff like that. Now, being that being said, I sort of have a, st- a story. I had this one witness, an old-time friend of mine, and for years he was telling me about this one spot, and he he's like, you wouldn't believe him. And this guy, I mean, he is. I think he'd rather just go up in a ball of flame than to tell a lie. I mean, he's the son of an old uh, country time preacher, you know. 
and uh, and very humble man, very uh, quite, uh, very soft spoken. And he, but he was telling me, man, I got this one spot. You wouldn't believe what's happening. I said, well, take me to it. And it's my. And he described. He goes, well, it's sort of my ice cream cone, and I'm not ready to share it with you, you know. And it was almost a year and a half before he finally took me to where he was talking about. And he says, you won't believe where it is. And uh, and so I, uh, he took me to this spot, and he goes, and we settled over to it. And we parked about it, and he says, now this, in this brush, and I mean, the brush was just baking trees and stuff. This is where I see them uh, come out at night. And I said, okay. He goes, but look to your left. And sure enough, there was a big open field, and in the middle of this open field was an elementary school. And this was like an old rural school. I mean, it wasn't in the middle of, of a suburb. I mean, yeah, there may have been one or two houses up down the road, but... I mean, you know, here you have this big open playground area and this elementary school and and in, in the middle of, a, you know, a 10-acre lot surrounded by forest. And what he couldn't get over is, is why would the Squatches be so close to this elementary school? And I said, now, Bill, if, you, if I remember right, you told me, but this happens during uh, this happens during the uh, mainly during the uh, winter uh, t- time, right? He goes, yeah. It seems like that's the only time they come around this area. <clears throat> and I said, Bill, I said it's obvious. I said, man, this is free circuit. In the night time, they can go dumpster diving. They eat all the crap that those kids don't. Thinking of that dumpster being full of leftover sandwiches and 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 cafeteria food, and if they want to, they can go over to the grease pit, stick their arms down, and lick the grease and just eat the fat, or you know, lick the great grease right off their arms if they wanted to. And during the daytime, they hang out in the brush, and believe me, that brush is thick, and uh, they can and they can hang out there in the brush, and from their vantage point. And be amused at those kids playing around in the play yard. But during, yeah. uh, but you know, once it starts warming up, that they they go on. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic, uh, Ron. What if if I'm going to go on a BioPro expedition with Ron Bowles, or I'm going to go out in the field with Ron Bowles? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what what should I expect? What are your methods, techniques? What are you doing in the field uh, that uh, I should be aware of? I mean, what is what is research and investigation to Ron Bowles? Common sense. I mean, I've heard many people uh, use the term of, uh, you know, I I I like to keep it sort of a balance. Uh, there's a. Uh, 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 there's, you know, like I said, there's the woo factor, you know, explain everything away. And, uh, you know, on the squatches, you know, an uh, uh, acorn drops on the ground. It's a big foot. Uh, you know, a, a tree bend, uh, bends uh, following a storm. That's a big foot or, you know, whatever. But on the other hand, a lot of people like to use the old, uh, what what is that? Uh, uh, the 
Oxy Razor or Oxum? How's how's that? Oxum Razor, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yes, and uh, and I don't and and some of them use it to a point where I said, you know what? Don't let that razor cut your, you know, don't use that razor so much that it, it cuts your own throat, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, there's there's a dear friend of mine, and we've got into argument many times, and he goes. Well, did you see the uh, uh, did you see the uh, Bigfoot do it? I said no, but have you ever seen a Bigfoot crap in the woods? And, <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, no. And I said, well, I dare say, you know, it, it probably <laughs> happens. But uh, uh, but uh, uh, I don't. Uh, I see someone this Buckeye Squatcher. He says there's a lot of caves, and there is a lot of caves in, in the Ozarks. Uh, matter of fact, Missouri is known as the cave state. Uh, I do not, I do not believe that they hang their hat in a cave. Now, when there is severe weather, uh, yes, they'll take the hole up in it. You know, whether it's a real bad uh, 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 cold front along with snow, or or a, a real bad thunderstorm, or something like that. Yeah, there are certain caves that it can probably hold up and take shelter in. But I do not, I do not believe that they will um, uh, make it as a, a long t- uh, time uh, shelter. For the simple fact of it is that um, that I don't believe that uh, squatches will feel too comfortable without having a a, um, a easy exit accessible to them. In other words, where they find themselves in the, in a trapped position. Um, uh, and that's. That's the kind of things that you probably uh, would expect from me on the expedition. I treat the expeditions as an education, uh, as an educational opportunity. Uh, as I tell many of people that's been on my expeditions, I'm here to take the blinders off. I'm here to uh, to help you see the forest uh, through the trees. You know. Um, I tried to um, explain to them about uh, food sources. You know, uh, uh, what are what certain uh, what certain animals are out there, what their uh, what their habits are, and uh, and and explain to, uh, to them about you know what to uh, look for that you might mistake for a squatch, such as tree knots. I'm a great believer in tree knots, but. If I'm near a river or a lake or a pond, I, and I hear a tree knock, then I automatically start looking for beavers. Because a lot of people mistake tree knocks for beavers. Uh, when uh, someone when someone gets close to their area, they they slap their tails. And believe me, I've heard that. I've heard those beavers, and and when they when it goes off, it sounds like uh, it sounds like a shotgun. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they slap their tails. And a lot of people mistake that for tree knocks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize, and a lot of people don't know, beavers are nocturnal. I mean, a lot, uh, a lot of people have the misconception that uh, beavers are these cute little fur balls uh, that, you know, they're you know about the size of a, of a puppy going around gnawing on trees. No, these things get as big as a, as a German shepherd, and, and uh, they are nocturnal. And uh, and quite frankly, you don't want to mess with them. 
because they will they will attack you and they will bite. As a matter of fact, we had a guy here in Missouri that was killed by a beaver. Uh, he got too close to it, and the vein bit into its uh, its artery in its leg. He bled to death before he even got back to his wow. truck. Uh, so yeah, you don't want to mess with beavers, but anyway, but anytime I'm in the woods and I know that we're near a lake, a pond or, or what have you, and I hear a very loud, what seems to be a tree knock, that's when I start looking for beavers. I mean, I tried to explain things to the people, uh, on things to look for, what to look for, what, and not, and what not to mistake squatch activity for. And, and, uh, and I try to show them, uh, the, the natural resources. I mean, there is so many veins that uh, that we as as humans. I mean, settlers used to eat a lot of stuff that we don't now. I mean, dandelion greens, uh, 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 and you know, uh, uh, they used to call uh, uh, pussy willows uh, 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 pond potatoes. You know. You pull those veins out, and you eat the the, the root ball, very high in, in protein. I mean, uh, in starch and stuff. Um, you know, there's just so many veins that's edible. Well, if, if they're edible to us, that means they're edible to a squatch. And they probably eat a hell of a lot more than we we do. That's you know, I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but here in uh, Missouri, we uh, there's a certain plant that uh, that uh, and that uh, called a uh, poke salad. That you you know it's fine as long as you harvest it when it's still uh, fresh when it's when it's in, in young but if you let it grow up to its full size and becomes a purple stock uh, then you you might as well you know drink uh, strychnine but there's a certain way there's a certain time to harvest them and you and a certain way to cook them and they and it's just as good as any mess of greens that you could ever want you know. And, uh, and yeah, there's just a whole lot. I gave Matt Pruitt an uh, entire book one time uh, when we met up at an expedition, uh, um, and it just showed nothing but, uh, um, and it showed nothing but, you know, certain plant lives that, that are edible out in the woods. And, you know, just, just a lot of good stuff that, you know, uh, like that. And I teach them how to howl. So, so Ron... If I remember correctly, and you've got a cup uh, expedition coming up this year, is that correct? Yes. And when is when is? Do you remember when that is? I've got the date, sir. It is uh, not the last. Yeah, it's it's like uh, October twenty first. You would hold me to that, wouldn't you? No, I've got Uh, it right here. So it's October twentieth through the twenty third. Yeah, <laughs> I was yes. trying to. It wasn't a trick question. So, if somebody wants to uh, yeah. w- would like to in- attend an expedition with Ron Bowles, when how would they go about doing that? Well, they uh, go through the um, they go through the BFRO uh, uh, website. There is a link to it that if you uh, are uh, interested in, in attending the, uh, that expedition, you. Uh, write us. Uh, you you um, you know you send an email to that to that link, and um, and with your inform- with your name and information on how we can contact you, 
and then uh, and then uh, the uh, and then therefore lets the uh, uh, organizer know that that certain person with that certain phone number is interested in going, and then I call them up and we'll talk for a bit, and uh, and I'll fill them out a little bit too because. Uh, 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 red lights for me is uh, uh, when they ask me. So, uh, what kind of spaceship do you think they land on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, the connection is far <laughs> Yeah, no. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, that's when I so, start wrinkling the paper, you know. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Well, if, but, uh, if, so if somebody is uh, interested in attending, and this is in Missouri, in Coming up in this October, yes. you can go to www.bfro.net and look for the 2016 expeditions. Um, and if you click on the link, it takes you yes. to the different expeditions that are coming up. In fact, um, our good friend Cindy Cadell, um, I think, did one earlier this year, and Barbara, our, another friend of ours, did one up in Washington. And I think Cindy's and, uh, got a couple more coming up. Yeah, and uh, Dennis Pohl, he's doing one uh, in August, and I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to, to attend that one myself. So there's there are openings still in uh, for the public um, for several BFRO expeditions throughout the rest of this year. Oh, absolutely. Yep. So, Ron, uh, my question uh, is, what's it going to take? I mean, we've been we've been it's been a long time since the the Patterson Gimlin footage, and a lot of people spent, you know, a lot of time looking for answers to this mystery. What do you think it's going to take to uh, one prove this, get science to to take the subject seriously, and and two um, prove this the existence of this creature to the general public? When it comes to the scientific community, unfortunately, the scientific community that we are dealing with today, and being that they are so advanced, they still they are still centuries behind on collecting the evidence to prove the existence of a of a certain creature. They still have to in order to confirm that a certain creature that that uh, that exists or uh, was once thought to be extinct and and uh, actually still lives. They still have to have either one alive in a cell or dead on a slab. I will not adhere to either. As far as forensic av- evidence, um, man, when it comes to forensic evidence, far as uh, far as scat, uh, uh, far as DNA uh, samples, far as ear samples. Uh, uh, footprint samples, uh, footprint samples with ridges, uh, and and uh, eyewitnesses, account, eyewitness accounts, and we're talking, and I'm not talking about toothless wonders from from uh, from your Cedius uh, 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 trailer home park. I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, uh, people with uh, with litters behind their names, you know, uh, uh, whether it be doctors, or lawyers, right. Yeah, law enforcement. You know, people whose whose credentials are beyond approach. Not just some, uh, not just some, you know, backwood uh, uh, guy that happened to uh, who went looking for beer and had, and found Bigfoot instead. You know, um, 
and and we're talking about people whose whose uh, who's, uh, integrity um, is beyond approach. Um, uh, you know, uh, we have enough evidence. I mean, there has been murders that uh, that has been convicted on less evidence than we are able to provide. That Bigfoot uh, is is um, does exist. It's come to a point in time in my way of thinking that I, you know what, and and people know what I do. They know what my quote unquote hobby is, and and quite frankly, I don't care if they believe it or not. I've had my experiences. I've had, I've done, um, I've been in the woods. I've been, I've had my experiences with with these things. I've had my uh, quote unquote face to face. I know they exist, and if you want to believe me, that's fine. My, my, uh, you know, uh, uh, my my ability to live in this world does not exist. Uh, does not depend on whether you believe me or not. And and uh, but you know, but if you're wanting to learn, if you're wanting to be open to the possibility, the reality of Bigfoot. And that's what it is. It's a whole new reality because uh, people has been taught one reality, but when they have their experience, such as I did, I didn't ask for it. I didn't go looking for it. It came, it hit me like a thunderbolt. And that is, and that's when my whole reality of what this world has to offer became a totally different thing. And that's the reality of Bigfoot. But does that is you know, indeed. but does myself but does yeah. my salvation depend on someone else believing me? No. And and that's a yeah. good thing because that's I mean that that's the experience of everybody who's had that that the com I call it refer to as the confirmation experience. Um, which you and both you and Shane have had. I'm still waiting for my so I I uh, you know, I'm at the ninety nine point five percent that they exist. I, I reserve 0.5% that that all evidence is either faked or misidentified. Uh, so that's a very low percentage that that's actually the case. There's just like you said, there's way too many people. Um, the the uh, preponderance of evidence is would uh, make any reasonable person uh, that looked at it. Most people that dismiss the subject out of hand have not. You know, spend any time looking at it. Oh well, you know, wasn't that a guy in the suit or blah blah blah? Didn't Bigfoot die because I read it in the paper that the guy that made the footprints died? You know, so their their exposure to it is is uh, nil, and they they put no effort into um, looking into that what evidence exists. So, well, Gunner, when you have your confirmation experience, as you call it. Uh, and uh, your co-host can probably uh, uh, your co-host can probably uh, validate what, what I'm about to say. You will mm-hmm. not be satisfied with it. You will want more. No. A, a person asked me one time, uh, you know, wasn't I scared? Hell yeah, I was scared to death the first time I had it. But so what? Uh, but you know what? I was scared to death the first time I rode a roller coaster too. Wow. But now it is a it's a rush it's a rush for me it's a thrill, and when I take people out in the in an area, and and 
I'll let out a I'll let out a call and and one answers back and these people who really haven't had a whole lot of experience but came out in the woods with me out of curiosity and they had this experience with me it, it, it's such a it, it's such a proud and validating moment to me I am so proud to be with that person when they heard what I've heard many a times before thrill. A lot of people ask me, why do I do this? I have, I have been, I've watched the sunset over the Rocky Mountains. I have watched the sunrise over the, uh, the uh, swamplands of, of southern Texas and Louisiana. I've watched meteor showers on top of the Rocky Mountains in Tennessee so close that you thought they'd land on your lap. I've been in I've been in fields. I mean, I've been in forest land where I'd look over an open field and the fireflies were so thick you thought you were looking down on the stars. I've 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 breathed air so clean that you wouldn't even think that there was smog in the world. I've been in areas where it was so quiet that it woke me up because it was so quiet. I have I've experienced and learned and grew friendship from people across this fruited plain that that has developed into a family-like atmosphere. And anything else as far as Bigfoot uh, and any activity as far as Bigfoot and experience, that's a bonus. And people ask me why I do this. I'll do it every day if I can get away with it. (laughs) Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it, Ron. You're right. Uh, The first time I had, you know, my first actual – uh, encounter scared the bejeebies out of me. I mean, just wow! I was I was freaked out, and so were two guys with me. Uh, and now it's come to um, I yearn. I, you know, I I don't yearn for. I, I've never been zapped or anything like that. I don't yearn for that. But I yearn for more experiences. And you don't I think want I've had them. You don't want it. No, you don't want it, right? You don't. Uh, want but it. I do yearn <laughs> for um, understanding. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, but the the it is it's such a you know I can hear the passion in your voice, Ron, and that that to me excites me because I'm I'm we're living in good times. We're living in um, some of the best. Um, I think personally, with the 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 people out there doing legitimate stuff, such as yourself, Ron. Yes. We're living in exciting times where there's all sorts of unique things going to happen down the road here. I have no doubt about it. Uh, I know firsthand there's big things on the table down the road here, but the future is uh, bright, and there's many discoveries to be made, and uh, we're trying new techniques and different ideas and collaborating, and it's fun, man. It's just fun. It's, it's, it's a blast, and like you said, just being in the woods and seeing the views and everything else, that's where science is at. That's where we're at, and we're going to continue on with it. Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I say, well, uh, well, I wish I could have a Bigfoot experience. Well, go to the woods. Well, I don't like going to the woods. And I said, you know what? <laughs> if, you don't throw your, if you don't throw your hook in the water, you ain't ever going to catch a fish. <laughs> if you don't go out in the woods and if you don't go out in, the, in an area and, and experience this firsthand, don't live vicariously off of me. Don't live vicariously off of other people. Experience this. If you're able to and you get the opportunity, go experience this for yourself. Am I going to guarantee you um, uh, uh, Bigfoot activity? Absolutely not. We're in their house, and the house always wins. 
But mm-hmm. there are times where not. But there are times just like fishing where I've I've got a nibble. There's a t- there's a times that when I went out squatching where I, I've got a bite. And there's been times where I didn't get a damn thing. But <laughs> if I didn't go out in the woods, if I didn't put my hook out in the water, then I wouldn't have the experience at all. Fantastic. <laughs> Great analogy. And so true. Got to get out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are citizen scientists, investigators, researchers, enthusiasts uh, doing the legwork. Uh, I hope science will eventually um, get more involved. You know, one, uh, John Bindernagel, I'm a huge fan of the guy, a good friend of his as well. And his biggest uh, complaint, <laughs> it's not about the that the lack of proof or the existence of Sasquatch is that academia is not involved and they won't look at this seriously. That's his biggest complaint. Oh, no. Look at his books, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah it's almost, it's almost a, uh, it's, it, I think more people go, uh, I mean, I think there's more effort and energy wasted on proving that these things don't exist than there's more than energy and, and effort made to, to prove that they do, you know. I mean, so it's easy to, yeah, to in order for you things, to, it, exactly. it's really easy for, for them I mean, to dismiss and point to the, the news reports and stuff where they generally make fun of it. It's like, it's like ignoring the elephant in the room. You know, it takes more effort to ignore the elephant in the room than acknowledging that it's really there. You know? Yeah. Yep. And uh but that's but that's okay. That just means that there's less people there's less people in the woods and it allows me to go up there and have my experience. But that's well, also the thing is I'm not that, selfish. The people can enjoy, you know, watching if they don't they're interested in the topic but don't want to spend time in the woods, they can watch uh, Finding Bigfoot. And you know what? And uh a lot of people say that it was good for the research, and a lot of people say that it was bad for the research. But the thing is, right. and to me, to me, finding Bigfoot isn't about them finding Bigfoot. Don't take it literally. Right. The thing is, finding Bigfoot, the, the title Finding Bigfoot is you, the public, the viewers, finding that Bigfoot may actually exist. It is you that is finding Bigfoot, you, the viewers, that are finding Bigfoot and finding out that, you know what, maybe there's really something out there. And I, yeah, I, I, my point with finding Bigfoot is it's raised the awareness of the topic. It's kind of this generation's in search of, in terms of, of uh, Bigfoot. So, well, Ron, we are, we're down to about a minute. I want to uh, thank you for joining us today. It's two hours that flew by for me. So, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I do have a tendency to ramble on, so I do apologize. Oh, no. you All good information. It's always great to sit down with, with our friends and, and talk about our favorite subject. And uh, we, we will hope to have you back on here in the future. Well, you uh, give me a holler, and I'm sure I have more stuff to offer. All right. Well, folks, again, if you'd like to join uh, Ron um, on an expedition this year in October, Go to the BFRO website, that's BFRO.net, and look up the public expeditions. There's uh, Ron's in Missouri in October, and there's several of them coming up throughout the rest of the year um, if, if Missouri doesn't work for you. So uh, 
And, and, uh, I'm never known couple, to be a good and, cook. <laughs> there you go. Thank you again, Ron, for uh, joining us today. And for our audience, uh, thanks for joining us this Sunday evening. And we'll be back next weekend for another episode of Monster X Radio. Have a great night.